When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran? Don't. Don't. Don't, don't. And what's the message to Iran? Don't. As President Biden said, just don't. Exactly. One word. Pretty straightforward. It was very important to send a very clear message to anyone who might seek to take advantage of the conflict in Gaza to threaten our personnel uh, here or anywhere else in the region. Don't do it. I've already delivered the message to Iran. They know not to do anything. I've already delivered the message to Iran. They know not to do anything. That's from about a week or two ago. Apparently all those don'ts did not work. The chaos in the Middle East shows signs of growing into even greater chaos. Uh, to discuss that in the recent events, uh, we're joined by Josh Rogan, global opinions columnist with the Washington Post, author of Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, She, and the Battle for the 21st Century. Uh, Josh, welcome. How are you? Uh, great. I mean, the world is in terrible shape, but personally, I'm doing okay, thanks. That's good to hear. Um, when the horrible news broke on uh, Sunday, what you called a brazen escalation, even though it was the 160th attack we've had on us since October 7th, this one ended in uh, the death of three soldiers and bad injuries for dozens of others. And uh, I started reading your Twitter feed. I see your Washington Post column today about uh, Iran's proxy forces are teaming up to attack Americans. So why did we... I've been reading your, your Twitter feed, and, and so I want you to explain this to our listeners. Why were we where we were there in, in Jordan? What were we doing? Who attacked us? Who was it that attacked us before we get to some solutions? Right. No, I think it's a perfect place to start because I think most Americans, when they heard that three U.S. troops were killed in northeast jordan their first reaction was like what are three u.s troops doing in northeast right exactly jordan but you know it's it's actually really important that they be there they're fighting isis they're stopping iranian proliferation and they're protecting the civilians there from all sorts of manner of uh, of horrendousness now it's not a combat role you know they shouldn't be really in any danger but the reason that they are one big reason that they are is because the iranian uh, government and its proxies have been 
ramping up the harassment of U.S. forces all over the region without a proper response from the United States. And I think that's what this incident shows us. And that doesn't mean we need to go to war with Iran right away. It doesn't mean that we even need to overreact. It just means that it's very clear now that after 150 attacks, whatever we thought we were, whatever the U.S. government thought it was doing to deter those attacks ain't working, okay? And because the attacks are getting worse, not better. And the attackers are getting more brazen. So, yeah, I mean, you could have a discussion of should we just take all of the U.S. troops out of the Middle East and get rid of them and bring them back or whatever. That's, that's not an unfair discussion to have. But they're there now. They're in harm's way right now. They're getting attacked right now. And, uh, you know, it seems pretty clear that we're going to need a to do something different in order to, uh, you know, stop this, what is an escalation. If it got worse, you could only imagine. Well, who are the attackers? You, you explain how there's several different militia groups that the Cuds forces brought together with the one goal of attacking Americans. Right. So you have to understand that this, like, you know, patch of desert in between where, where Jordan and Iraq and Syria meet, there exists a rich tapestry of militant extremist groups, okay? Some are Sunni, some are Shia, some are Syrian, some are Russian, some are Chechen, some are wow. you name it. So there's there's just dozens of you know gangsters with guns sponsored by all sorts of foreign governments. Now what we have there is we have a base called Comp, which is again fighting terrorism and stopping Iranian proliferation. We have a, another base called Power Twenty Two. That's the one where the troops got killed, but both of them have been attacked. And then there's a refugee camp full of Syrians that we protected who have a partner. So essentially what's going on is that, you know, all of these uh, groups were being held at bay by the presence of U.S. forces. You really don't want to attack U.S. forces. It doesn't matter if it's only 200 U.S. troops. That's like 2,000 or 20,000 troops from any other countries. We have got the best soldiers in the world. They've got the best equipment in the world. Uh, but for some reason, and, and all of a sudden, these Iranian groups are getting really, really aggressive. And, of course, if you ask them, they'll say, well, that's because we want to pressure the United States to pressure Israel to stop the fighting in Gaza. But if you ask the U.S. troops on the ground, they'll say it's because we they don't have permission to really go after them the way that they want to. Mm. And again, I'm not saying we need to attack Iran. I'm not even saying we need to go attack inside of Iran. But these are bad guys who are killing Americans, not to mention Syrians and Iraqis and anyone else who gets in their way. They are funded by Iran. Uh, I think they've earned a, a, a more forceful response to the United States, and I think that's what we're going to see. We just don't have seen it yet. We just don't know exactly what it's going to be. I think it's pretty much self-evident that our choices are either A, as you suggested, get everybody out of there, or B, defend them forcibly with such overwhelming and terrifying force that nobody dares attack them. And it's not like this is some sort of new military doctrine I've cooked up in the last 48 hours. I mean, it's it's ancient wisdom, and I think, you know, barring some sort of... Uh, accidental unleashing of the, uh, the, the, you know, a world war, there's no reason to question the ancient wisdom. Am I, am I being a, a, a belligerent talk show host there, Josh? No, I mean, again, it, 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 I guess it's easy for us to say right now, but yes, you, you want to kill the people who are trying to kill you. And if these people are determined to try to kill you, you probably want to kill them first. Now, again, there's, the debate is whether or not we should then kill the people who are paying them. I think that's a fair debate to have. I think we attack inside of Iran. That's a pretty risky thing to do. Start killing Iranian leaders inside of Iran. Yes, that could that could get out of hand real fast. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be cautious about that. But the people in Syria and Iraq who are sponsored by Iran, who are trying to kill Americans, 
I think, yeah, we should probably kill them first. I, 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 it really couldn't be much more simple than that. Hey, tell me if I'm overreading this, because I don't want to be guilty of, of grossly oversimplifying anything. But when uh, the Trump administration took out Soleimani, which was unquestionably an extremely provocative thing to do, the Iranian response was essentially, I'm, I'm, this is my words, they said, oh, my God, these guys are serious. We're going to show our, our righteous anger by shooting a few missiles over there and claiming that we've struck back. But we need this to recede. We don't want it to escalate. They showed their true colors then. Right. Well, I think well, a couple of things. So one is that they killed two Americans in March 2020 under Trump watch, Trump's watch at a base in Iraq and one British guy. So when Trump goes on truth to social and says this would never have happened under my presidency it's not really true because it did happen under his presidency so they did kill two americans that's that we should we can't forget that but what was interesting is that after that uh mike pompeo john bolton Nikki, uh, not Nikki, uh, michael Pompeo, and john bolton went to trump and they said we gotta attack iran and trump said no trump actually went against his national security team and didn't attack Iran. he showed restraint you know everyone thinks trump is going to get us into some sort of war with iran actually he he pulled us back now, right or wrong, that showed that actually there is a chance to avoid the, the, the bigger war that neither side wants. There's no way Iran wants a war with the United States. They would definitely lose. We would definitely win. But, you know, there is a, 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 a need to, to show the Iranians that we're just not going to take, uh, take it lying down when they, kill a bunch, when they kill three Americans and injure three dozen more. So in that window is a response that's different from what we're doing now. But I think the Trump example shows that you know, it doesn't matter which party is in power. There are smart things to do and there are dumb things to do. And, you know, letting these attacks just continue and continue without any response is very dumb. And uh, I think that that shouldn't be political. That should just be, again, sort of basic common sense. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mean to make this about Trump or not Trump or anything. It was more no. about the Iranian tendencies and, and the fact that they're not going to respond with some sort of, all right, World War Three is on uh, and we're going to nuke, uh, you know, Hartford, Connecticut or something like that. They backed down. Right. Right. Because in the end, they're going to push us until uh, we until we show them that we can't be pushed around. But they're, they're, they there's nobody in Iran. There's nobody in the world who thinks that Iran's going to win a war with the United States. So again, we, if we if we show strength, then that produces a positive result. If we show weakness, that emboldens our enemies to push further. And this is the same game that all of our enemies play, whether it's ISIS or the Russians or the North Koreans. Uh, the more ground we see, the more that they'll test us. And when they do test us, if we don't respond, then that test will get more and more dangerous. So yeah, I think basically your your, your core assumption is right: is that you know Iran is not going to start a war with the United States because they would definitely lose. That would be the end of their regime, and they're not suicidal. They're evil. They're just not suicidal. So I can't get over your description of that area of the world. Holy crap, with all those different kinds of groups bumping around. Sounds like the Wild West or something you'd see on The Mandalorian with all these armed people with all kinds of divergent needs and goals and that sort of thing but um i had a brother who was in the middle east all the time all kinds of different places and non-combat roles often and uh you and and could have been in this situation absolutely if we're going to have people on all these different places they got to be able to sleep at night 
knowing they're not going to be, it's unlikely they're going to be attacked and killed. We've got to deter all these different groups, whatever their motives are. They've got to believe that that's a bad idea. Do you think that's possible? It is. And, you know, and I'm not just, you know, barking for the sake of barking. You know, I talked to the, the troops on the ground, the commanders on the ground. They're in the best position to know how to keep themselves safe. What they say is they need more authority to do more things to keep themselves safe and to go after the people who are trying to kill them. That's what they say. But, you know, in the Biden administration, everything is run out of the White House. If they want to strike a warehouse in the middle of Syria, they've got to get the White House stamp of approval on that. That's ridiculous. You know, they, they have to be proactive. They have to be able to do whatever they have to do to make sure that they can sleep at night, not worrying if, the, if, if they're going to get bombed by some sort of like crazy Iranian militia. So I think we just need to trust these troops more. And we also have to give them credit. You know, there's a lot, a lot of people in this country who are like, oh, well, you know, these troops are, are not doing any good over there. No, they're doing a lot of good. They're doing the things that we want our military to do. They're helping people. They're protecting us from terrorism. They're, they're thwarting our enemies' plans to control the region. And it is, like you said, it's a non-combat role. They really shouldn't uh, be, be getting attacked. And it's only because we've forgotten how important it is to protect those troops and give them the authority to protect themselves that we're in this situation in the first place. Uh, Josh, I know uh, asking people to get into the prediction game is always, uh, you know, fraught and a little jivey. But uh, if you were to dabble, uh, what do you expect to see in the next several days? Well, I think, so uh, let me first start with the next several months, because I think that the the war in Gaza and the regional tensions and the, the gradual simmering escalation is going to go on. Uh, for the bulk of this year. And I, I think that's partially because of our strategy. It's also partially because our enemies get a vote. And as we get closer and closer to the election, it's, in, it's to the incentive of all of our enemies to make things a lot more difficult for us. So that's a sort of a mid- to long-term prediction that's not that good. Uh, over the next two days, I, I fingers crossed, we're going to hopefully kill a lot of terrorists who are trying to kill American troops. Uh, I wish we'd get that decision pretty soon. I don't know what they're waiting for. The plans must have been there already. That's what I was know, saying yesterday. You can't tell me you need to draw up plans. You didn't have any plans during the previous several months when we were going to attack every day? I never met a military commander deployed in the Middle East who didn't have a plan to kill the people who were trying to kill them, ready to go. Right. A moment's you know, again, empower the people who are protecting us and to protect themselves. And that's got to be the guiding force here. I just don't think we see that. You know, I just I just don't think this administration, again, you could kind of understand they don't want to pour fuel on a already raging fire. But how's that working out? You know, it's right. been four months and it's only getting worse and worse. And their strategy, to be honest, I think what the strategy was, was, oh, we'll get the Israelis to end the war in Gaza. And then that'll, you know, allow the Iranians to end the, the harassment of U.S. troops in places like Jordan. Uh, but that's not happening either. Okay, so like yeah. it or not, uh, this thing's going to get worse before it gets better. So we might as well be on the right side of that. Josh Rogan, Global Opinions columnist for the Washington Post. Josh, it's always great. You're the best. Thanks. Anytime. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.